I have to confess, I was given the topic of speaking on baptism, and I wasn't initially ever so excited. Because I thought, well, you know, people have already been baptized. What's the relevance? People kind of know it, don't they? And um, as I got looking and preparing and thinking and praying about this, I feel that God's really challenged me to get excited all over again. So can I just encourage you, even if you were baptized years ago, and you think you know everything, just to kind of open up and see what God might have to say this morning that's new. And if you've never been baptized, great time to tune in. And for all of us, when we get the people coming through the door who've encountered God on the streets for the turning, we want to get them in this building and we want to get them baptized and we need to know why that's important. So is that okay? We're going to talk about baptism. I'm going to talk about what baptism is. I'm going to talk about who baptism's for. And I'm going to talk about why it's a good idea. So first of all, the word baptism. Now, you'll only ever hear the word baptism these days, uh, probably in a religious context. But that wasn't always the case. When Jesus was talking about baptism and when the early church was talking about baptism, it was a word that people used in normal life, in normal speech. If you look at a lot of the New Testament was written in Greek. And if you look at the Greek word and what it means, it literally means to to dunk, to immerse in liquid for some reason or another. You can baptize your hobnob in tea. Pardon? It falls apart, apart. yeah. Let's just cut that analogy right there. (laughs) Not a good one, we'll move on. You can baptize a bucket in a well to fill it up. You can baptize um, yarn or cloth into dye to change its color. You can baptize an onion in vinegar to pickle it. So when people were talking about baptism, the first people who heard it would have expected that what was being talked about was somebody being taken and dunked in water and brought back up again. And they would have expected that as a result of that process, there would be change. So that's what we're, we're listening to. There's change. The bucket fills up when it's dunked. The cloth changes color when it's dunked. The onion is preserved and has a different flavor when it's dunked. So who's baptism for? Well, the Bible's really clear that baptism is for people who have heard and have acknowledged what Jesus did when he died on the cross and he rose again. He died on the cross, if you've never heard, to pay the price for the things that we've done wrong. He died because we've sinned. And when he came back up to life again, he was declaring to the whole of creation and to every principality and power and spiritual force that he had beaten death. Now that's what Jesus did on the cross. And if people have understood that, 
they're ready for baptism. If you didn't understand that when you got baptized, maybe now's a good time to re-examine that fact. Baptism is for people who've repented of their sins. They've said, I was doing stuff that's wrong. I am sorry. I take responsibility for it. I was going this way. Now I'm going to turn around and go this way. That's what repentance means. And it's for people who put their faith in Jesus and are resolved by his grace and with his help to live a completely different life. You don't just get baptized, quick dunk today, everything's sorted, I can do what I fancy tomorrow. Okay. There are no examples in the Bible of people getting baptized who hadn't done these things. Baptism wasn't um, open to people who were just trying to explore faith and thought it might help them. Uh, It wasn't open to people who thought, ah, this is the religious thing I have to do to open the door and then I'm in. It's not an initiation ceremony into a club. Um, It wasn't open to people who weren't prepared to change and leave the old behind and move into something new. And it is not in the Bible open to people who are not old enough to understand the saving work of Jesus on the cross. Uh, So we don't get biblical examples of children, babies being baptized. If that's something you want to talk about after, Mike Beaumont's sitting in the congregation. (laughs) And he would love to answer all your questions. You can... You can talk to me as well. Um, I I do need to take a pause and say that I'm grateful to Mike because actually most of what I'm saying this morning is taken from a book he wrote about baptism, which is available. And if you want a copy, uh, it's a little slim book. And if you want to go away and think in more detail, then we we can find you a copy. Okay. Now, there's lots of references. I put up a whole slug of references in Acts. We're not going to read them all. And they're all stories of people who who did this thing, encountered Jesus, repented, and were baptized. Uh, There's one story when Peter was talking in Jerusalem just after the birth of the church, really, after the the first time the Holy Spirit had turned up, and he went out. He spoke on the streets, and he spoke about Jesus, what Jesus had done. And people's response was, what should we do? What should we do in response to this news that we've heard? Uh, And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. So the usual pattern in the New Testament is that people encountered Jesus, repented of their sins, and were baptized. Um, They weren't baptized in order to bring them to faith. I think the thing that I've learned most this this week or two while I've been looking at this is baptism is like a great big neon sign across the sky that says, I have decided something. Heaven, earth, the enemy, angels, demons, people, I have decided something. And I want you all to know it. It's 
a declaration of something that has already happened that you're laying hold of with two hands and saying, I am living in the good of this for the rest of my life. Okay, now there is an exception in the New Testament to, to this pattern and that is the thief on the cross. The thief who was next to Jesus who said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, can I join you? Now, he was dying a painful death, and he recognized the lordship of Jesus in the middle of it. And Jesus said, brother, today you'll be with me in paradise. There really was not time to pop down, find a puddle, dunk him. Basically, they'd gone beyond that. So I just want to to be squeaky clean about the exception. So what's baptism about? It's clearly important, or it wouldn't be such a hot potato, If you've ever noticed, if there's anything the church is arguing about, or if there's anything the enemy is attacking, then it's usually something that's very important to God. Otherwise, why waste energy? And the enemy has got the church arguing about baptism and discussing it and talking about it in order to prevent action about it, to be honest. So that helps me know that it's important. But let's have a look at what uh, Scripture teaches us that it is. So baptism is washing for dirty people. Now, we know that Jesus is dying on the cross and shedding his blood. It's what's washed us. It's all very well. um, We've been unpacking lots of boxes lately and doing lots of physical hard work. And by the end of the day, what you really want more than anything is a shower because you're hot and you're dirty and you want to get clean. But showers don't cut it on the inside, do they? If you've ever been to see uh, Macbeth, the play Macbeth, you know, the lovely bit where Lady Macbeth, sleepwalking, she goes, out, out, damn spot, out. She's trying to wash her hands of the blood of the guilt of murder. And she can't do it. She can't wash the inside by washing the outside. And this washing that baptism symbolizes is a washing that's gone on inside. You remember we talked about cloth being dunked? There's a great verse in the Bible, uh, in Isaiah, where God says, um, "Your Your sins were like scarlet, and they shall be white as snow. Though they were red as crimson, they'll be like wool, like unbleached wool. Now, that's quite a dunking, isn't it? You take scarlet cloth and you dunk it and it comes out snowy white. And that's what God's done for us. So if anybody is struggling this morning and thinking, I'm too big a sinner. I did this. I do this. This habit's still got hold of me. Don't give up. Come talk about it. Because God is clear Though your sins are like scarlet, they should be white as snow. Baptism is burial for dead people. The Bible teaches us that our old way of doing things, our old self, is dead. That's the symbolism. You put somebody down in the water, and if you held them there for too long and had a little chat... They'd expire. They'd, they'd just die. Going down, it's a burial. The old us 
is dead. And that's what we're saying to anybody who's going to listen. Uh, it was interesting, when I was baptized, um, you know, we've all got things in our lives that we struggle with and things we think, oh gosh, I've done that again. But I felt after my baptism, I felt more freedom to overcome some of those things. It was an interesting dynamic. I almost felt like there was a little bit of elastic that had been snipped whilst I'd been baptized. When I'd, it was like I'd left some stuff behind that didn't come out of the water with me. That was my experience. So baptism is burial for dead people down under the water. But thank the Lord, it's also resurrection. Because we identify with the death of Jesus and we identify that he rose again and he overcame. Um, it symbolizes the start of a new life. Now, there's a great story uh, of a guy in the north of England who uh, was baptized. And he'd had a very colorful background. He'd been into all sorts of Hells Angels stuff and quite satanic stuff. And he had some very graphic tattoos um, with things from his old life. And he, he'd fulfilled all the criteria, soundly going on with God, a real desire in his heart to change. But tattoos are tattoos, aren't they? And he went down into the waters of baptism and he came back up and those tattoos had gone. They had just gone. And that's God's goodness and kindness to that man saying, yeah. they're gone. And I will miraculously make every sign of them go away you don't have to look at those tattoos day by day to taunt you you've left them behind and you've come up new that's what baptism is washing for dirty people burial for dead people and resurrection baptism is is oneness for separated people we were separated from god and by the work of Jesus on the cross, we are brought back to be one in a relationship with him. And that's what baptism symbolizes. It's amazing. It symbolizes that we will never have to be separated from God again. Uh, in Galatians, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ it's like when God looks at us he sees Jesus we have become one in identification with Jesus it's a mystery that my brain won't I, I, I suggest you kind of don't try and use your brain my brain won't take that one in you have to let your heart and your spirit try and lay hold of that one it's extraordinary why should Jesus contemplate becoming one with me it's not baptism that achieves it, but it's baptism that says yes to it. It's oneness with the family of God. I've got a cross in the middle there, but I've also got hands. It's oneness with the family of God. Galatians goes on to say that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. For you are all one new man in Christ Jesus. 
So there's something about baptism which identifies with a breaking down of barriers between races, barriers between social classes, and barriers between gender. It's, we, again, the world spends so much time still fighting over all of those things. And scripture says, Jesus has broken down those barriers. We can be one with people from other races, other classes, and perish the thought, other genders. Doesn't have to be a barrier. Um, Keith's just done a trip to the Middle East and met uh, a lot of Christians of different nationalities. And he watched, uh, am I allowed to say the country or not? Yeah, Uh, Keith was in Lebanon. Lebanon has four million people in it. It has two million Syrian refugees. The Lebanese and the Syrians used to be a little bit like the Jews and the Samaritans. You know, you don't, they look down on each other. And one of the guys that Keith met, the church has been in the forefront of uh, doing stuff with the refugees. Churches have been turned inside out in Lebanon. They've had to change radically. And a guy said to him, a, a Lebanese Christian said, my enemy has become my neighbor and my neighbor has become my friend. And this guy had a Syrian refugee living in his home. Now that's what, the, what baptism represents in terms of oneness. So we're baptized into something much bigger. Baptism can never be a purely private event. You need at least one person to dunk you under the water. You can't really hold your nose, dive under the bath and mumble in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and sit back up again. And I was thinking the other day, we had a long talk once with somebody who said, well, I would get baptized if I didn't have to do it in front of anybody. And I thought, you know what? That's actually really missing one of the most important bits, that we are baptized into something bigger, into a family. Uh, We're to live in that family. We're never meant to work out being God's children all by ourselves. We're just not meant to do that. And that's what baptism says. So washing for dirty people, burial for dead people, resurrection, oneness with Jesus, oneness with each other. Baptism is fullness for empty people. Uh, If you look in the New Testament, usually baptism in water was accompanied closely by baptism in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people got a bit confubbled and met people who'd already been baptized in the Holy Spirit and said, oh, we better catch up and dunk them in water and get it all done. But, but the thing for the early church was you repent, you believe, you're baptized in water, and the Holy Spirit comes and fills you up. Um, Somehow or another in our society, a lot of those things have kind of got dissected out and disconnected. And there can be years between the different events. And I think, come on, let's get the turning going. Let's get back. Let's get people in the building repenting. Let's get them in water. Let's get them filled with the Spirit. Let's have a little bit of New Testament oomph, shall we? Um, If you've... When Jesus was baptized... The Holy Spirit appeared like a dove, and God spoke audibly. Um, 
so it was the pattern for Jesus' baptism. Remember our bucket. When our bucket's baptized, it's filled up. And that's what God wants. So I'm not going to say any more about baptism of the Spirit because it's kind of a whole talk in itself. But if, if you have not experienced that infilling of the Holy Spirit to come alongside you in life, then please talk to somebody this morning because we can pray right now and it can happen right now. It's important. It's another of God's gift to us. All right, Graham? (laughs) Baptism is a gift from our Father. We don't have to be good enough. We don't have to be sinless. It doesn't bring us into relationship with God. That's all about Jesus. It's a present. And I've talked to so many people who've spent weeks and months discussing it. Now, I've got, a, I've got six grandchildren, which is great. Uh, one of my small people was four last week and uh, she came downstairs and her mum said oh Esme there's a there's a present for you in the garden that came overnight Uh, and Esme ran to the kitchen door and she looked out and there was a trampoline and she just her whole being lit up and she did this little dance and then she hurtled back to her mum and flung her arms around her. She couldn't even speak. And then she went, it's a trampoline. It's a trampoline. And she hurtled outside and she started bouncing up and down. And we all felt, and I think, oh, Father God, forgive me. Forgive me for discussing whether or not I'm going to receive your goodness. Having a little think about it. She didn't think, oh, I'm not good enough, Dad, for a trampoline. Or you gave me a present last year. Should I have another one this year? Is a trampoline a theologically significant present? Because I'm four. (laughs) Can I write a thesis on trampolines? She just went out and used it. And baptism is God's gift to us. It's God's gift which lets us put a marker down. Um, Why do we spend so much time not receiving it? Or anything else for that matter. If, if baptism's not an issue, fill in the gap. You know, it might be baptism in the spirit that you're having this struggle with. It might be God's love, God's goodness, God's generosity. I don't know. But oh my goodness, he must get so fed up of his kids who just won't open their presents. <laughs> baptism is an act of humility. Um, We look pretty silly and very wet when we get baptized. And it doesn't matter what you wear, but people come up and they look pretty silly. And they do it in public. Um, There's a great story in Two Kings about a quite important gentleman called Naaman. Naaman, uh, And he contracted leprosy, for which there was no cure at the time. Now, he had working in his household. We've got a triple whammy going down here. He had a little slave girl 
from Israel. So we've got a girl who's young. She's a slave and she's from a despised nation. And she spoke to his wife and said, if only my master could be in the country I've come from and meet the prophet Elisha, he would be healed. So um, his wife did what wives are quite good at, and she managed to persuade him to actually make the journey. And he, t- he went off with horses and gifts, and I'm an important person this, and turned up to see the king, who said, I don't know what to do with him. I've not got a clue what you're talking about. And eventually Elisha sent a message didn't rock up in person. He sent a message and said, tell him to go swimming in the river. Now, the river was a bit sort of dirty and brown and go swimming in the river? Really? And this guy got all uppity and said, haven't I got rivers where I've just come from, for goodness sake? I could have stayed at home and gone swimming. But in the end, he went swimming in the river and he was healed. There was nothing particularly important about swimming in that river. Just as there's nothing particularly important about whatever swimming pool or river you get baptized in. What was important is that God wanted to know he would humble himself. And he would lay down all his trappings of importantness to be healed. And when we go down into the waters of baptism, we're humbling ourselves. So I realize that some of the conversations I've had with people about baptism is because actually they didn't want to humble themselves and appear slightly silly in front of people. Baptism, lastly, is an act of obedience. Jesus got baptized. Now John, John, who was baptizing at the time, his cousin, was a little bit confused as to why Jesus the son of God who had never sinned was saying, would you please baptize me? And Jesus basically said to him, look, John, I'm doing this because I'm fulfilling what needs to be done. The people who I've come to save will need baptism and I'm doing it. So just do it. And when Jesus left his followers right at the end of Matthew, he commissioned them and he said go into all the world go and make disciples followers of every single nation baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit so on two counts baptism is an act of obedience one because jesus did it and he's our pattern And the other, because he told us to do it. He just simply told us to do it. So, what is it then? Baptism's washing for dirty people. It's burial for dead people. It's resurrection. It's oneness with Jesus. It's oneness with each other. It's fullness for empty people. It's a gift from our Father. It's an act of humility and it's an act of obedience. So what about now then? 
Well, for some people, it might be time this morning to tap somebody on the shoulder and say, I want to get baptized, please. We might not be able to do it today. If I had my way, we'd go straight out and do it in the river, but I don't think we're allowed. I think there's all sorts of health and safety and stuff. But we can organize it soon. It might be time to say, I've been baptized in water, but I've never received that fullness of the Holy Spirit. Please could somebody pray for me now? It might be time just simply to say, thank you, Father, for your present, your gift. And please help me receive all the other gifts you want to give to me. With a childlike joy and enthusiasm. It might simply, and this was the bit that challenged me, be time to live in the good of all that baptism has accomplished for me. Or all that, bapt- all that baptism signals has been accomplished for me. It might be time for me to live as somebody who's washed, resurrected, filled up, one with Jesus, one with Jesus' family. It might be time for me to examine how much humility and obedience I exhibit in my life. So it'll be time this morning for different things uh, for different people. And please, if this has raised any questions, because baptism is a subject that raises questions, don't go away with those questions muttering. Please come and talk to uh, one of us and we will do our best to answer them.